Then he swept up onto his horse and went tearing after the runaway. He left his helm in the dirt there. He'd long loved the feeling of the wind's fingers ripping at his face. The sweat on his brow dried instantly. His hair streamed long and dark behind him. The courser's hooves pounded against the hardpan like thunder. It fairly seemed that he responded to the knight's thoughts rather than his fingers. It took only the barest change in his grip on the beast's reins to adjust their course. The gap narrowed. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode. If you're not caught up on the story and don't want to just jump in 12 episodes into this story, I will have a link to the full playlist down in the video description, so make sure to check that out there. Question of the week, what is your favorite scene in fiction? If you stick around to the end of the episode, I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes around this chapter specifically, but I want to hear your answers down below. All right, on to the good stuff. I'm Josh Call, and this is Last Coliseum. The outlaw was running. There was blood on his face. As the winds of the skirmish had turned, or perhaps not turned, turned would imply there was ever a chance that the brigands would win, or even escape with their lives. And of course, there was no chance of that. He'd seen it coming. He fought his way to the outer fringes of the fray, and when the moment was right, when no one was watching, he threw down his rust-spotted hand axe and ran like a demon for the rising sun. He left behind the cart and the loot and the prisoners, his men and their horses. The only thing he took with him was his life, the blood pumping hot and red in his veins as he ran, his breath fogging in the chill dawn air. But someone was watching. The knight's gaze burned on the back of his neck, a lone silhouette fleeing into the morning mist. His plate was flecked with muck and blood, and the sword in his hand was stained scarlet. All around their circle of chaos, the hard-packed dirt was churned into a muddy red swamp. Bodies on the ground. Somewhere far away, one of the prisoners screamed, her voice shrill and anguished. Something heavy smashed across his back. He staggered and almost lost his sword. The big man grinned murderously, his teeth filed to razor points. He hefted a huge, cruel-looking maul in one hand. It swished through the air toward the night. He killed the brute easily. He let the bastard's sword slip from his grasp as he lunged beneath the maul's deadly arc. Already he was yanking the dirk from his belt. He plunged it through the soft flesh under the big man's chin, felt the wet crackle as it stabbed through layers of bone and sinew. That final crunch as the knife point broke through the top of his skull. He picked up his sword and wiped it on the big man's leg. He left the dirk where it was. Then he sheathed it. The fleeing outlaw was a little black bug between the gray-pink dirt and the gray-blue sky. Watching him run made his noble heart race, hunter and hunted. It made him feel alive. The skirmish was still raging all around as he stalked through their bloody battleground. He ignored all of it. He plucked his lance up from where he left it, sheathed in the belly of another hapless brigand. The man's entrails were poking out of the gash in his stomach, and he clutched weakly at the shaft of the lance. It made a wet, suckling sound as he took it, and the man gave a low, dying moan. Then he swept up onto his horse and went tearing after the runaway. He left his helm in the dirt there. He'd long loved the feeling of the wind's fingers ripping at his face. The sweat on his brow dried instantly. His hair streamed long and dark behind him. The courser's hooves pounded against the hardpan like thunder. It fairly seemed that he responded to the knight's thoughts rather than his fingers. It took only the barest change in his grip on the beast's reins to adjust their course. 
but the gap narrowed. The outlaw glanced over his shoulder and saw the knight hurtling toward him, his armor a blazing beacon as the sun breached the cliff horizon. He could see the look of grim determination on his face. It was a face that might have been handsome, but for the vengeance in his eye. The knight lowered his lance. A bit of intestine was still skewered on the end of it, a grisly red pennant flapping in the wind. He aimed it at the outlaw's heart and ran him down. The brigand's eyes were wide. He was staring at that bit of gut on the end of his lance. He didn't spot the boulder till it was too late. His foot smashed into the rock and set a wave of needles coursing up his leg. A strangled cry tore from his throat as he came crashing down. The lance ripped through the air an inch from his head. He flinched and went sprawling in the dirt. His teeth clicked through his tongue like snipping shears and his mouth filled with blood. He didn't see the courser's steel-shod hoof when it came down on his knee, but he heard it, felt it. It was a sound like many twigs snapping all at once. He screamed and a spatter of blood misted the ground. And then the pain. Raw agony shore through him, radiating red waves that swept him out into a crimson sea. It was all too much. He faded and sank. He didn't know how long he was under, but when he surfaced, he saw the night closing in. He dismounted and his lance was thrust into the ground near his horse. His sword gleamed with the morning. The outlaw scrambled to his feet. He put a little weight on his wounded leg and almost faded again. His knee was in flinders. His hands felt clammy and cold, his chin shiny red with blood. His breath came in ragged gasps. The night approached. Death was in his hand. He felt the prickle of it on the back of his neck. The outlaw's eyes were wild. He hobbled back a step and nearly fell again. Please, he spluttered, swallowing blood. Mercy, M mercy. The lordling's eyes flashed orange in the sunlight. He felt the warmth of it on his skin. A smile crept briefly to his lips. He slipped his sword point under the brigand's chin and tipped his head back. Tears were pouring down the outlaw's cheeks. Ask the judge for his mercy, Elias murmured, soft and somber, for you'll have none of mine. He raised his sword. No, no, please, the outlaw screeched, shielding his face with his hands. The blade flashed. He rode back slow. The courser was all a lather and tugged hard at the reins, but he didn't let him creep past a light canter. The outlaw's head was lashed to one of the stirrups. He'd left his sundered hands with the rest of him. Dark droplets dappled the trail of dusty hoofprints in their wake. The early morning mist had burned away by the time he reached them. The battle was long done. A few of the soldiers were dragging the corpses of the slaughtered bandits into a rough pile. Another one was hacking off their heads one by one and spitting them on a pike. Before they moved on, they'd plant their gruesome totem by the road as a warning to any other would-be slavers. Not that it would make any difference. Much like other breeds of vermin, there were always more outlaws to kill. His feet crunched into the hard pan as he leapt down from his steed. The other soldiers saluted. Lord White Rose. He waved them off. He unstrapped his gauntlet and ran his fingers through his hair. There were six prisoners by the cart, all of them women, all of them streaked with grime and shivering, all of them miserable. They kept their eyes down, but he caught one or two of them peeking reverently at the night, at him who had saved them. There was a seventh lying face down in a pool of blood. No way to know if she'd been killed by one of the slavers or if she caught the wrong end of a lance during the fray. Frankly, it didn't matter. Dead was dead. One of them was naked. 
He saw bruises modeling her arms and her belly, and there was a purple shadow over one eye. She was covering herself with her hands. He unclasped his wine-red cape and gave it to her. She stared at it for a moment, unsure. Then she took it with a trembling hand and drew it around her shoulders. She still trembled, but she met his eye for a bare instant, and he saw gratitude there. What do we do with these? He turned to see who had spoken. The soldier's visor was raised, and he wore an expectant look as he waited for his lord's answer. Before him, two of the brigands were kneeling, their hands were tied. One of them was blanch-faced, a long, shallow gash in his side. Blood pooled around his knee. Over by the nobleman's horse, the soldier who'd been spiking them sliced through the hank of hair that was tied to his stirrup. After craving he ran, he chirped, hefting the outlaw's severed head. They threw down their arms and cried for mum. This one killed Jace, said the first. He kicked the wounded man in the back and sent him sprawling. Elias blinked. He'd liked Jace. The boy's mother was a seamstress in the keep. He'd served Lord Whiterose for almost two years now. He was still green, but no more so than any of the other not-quite-yet-men who donned the gray cloak and took up the governor's sword. Once their expedition was done, he'd planned on giving him his own command. Oh well, dead was dead. He hunkered down beside the injured outlaw. The man's face was caked with the blood muck. You killed my squire, he muttered. He said it plainly and without animus, like he was commenting on the weather. The other brigand spoke. Lord, he whispered. He was shaking worse than the prisoners. We were... We, we never... They made us. They would have killed us. If we didn't... I, I never touched. He was looking past him at the row of women, at the iron snake chaining them together, now lying discarded on the ground. Elias nodded. They would have killed you. He said softly, You should have died then. He stood up. Both the outlaws flinched like it was about to strike them. Instead, he walked over to the pile of corpses and found the body of the big man. He reached into the dark tangle of his beard and found the handle of his dirk. It squelched as he unlimbered it. His hand was crimson to the wrist. Blood dripped from the blade as he walked over to the rest of them. The slaver's eyes were wide and fixed on the knife. His lip quivered. Elias pointed it at him. You never touched them. He waved the blade like a tutor giving a lesson to an unruly schoolboy. Droplets fell. You were a prisoner, just like them. He bared his teeth at the outlaw, and for a moment there was darkness on that handsome face. Then it was gone. So you've got nothing to fear, he smirked. He turned and locked eyes with the naked woman. She shrank back and pulled the red cape closer around herself. He offered her a small smile. It's all right, lovely, he told her. His voice was like velvet. You're safe now. He proffered the dirk, and she took it. She still held a corner of the cape in each hand. The knife point trembled as she walked barefoot across the bloody ground. The ivory rose, the symbol of his house, shone stark upon her back against the red. The brigand's face went white as she approached. Words dribbled from his mouth like the ichor from his comrade's side. Ruin, he forced a smile. We had fun, didn't we? I was always gentle, not, not like the others. He looked mournfully up at her, then to the night, then back to her. He swallowed. They hurt you bad, Ro, but not me. His voice wavered as she came close. Y you were always special. I thought so. His cracked lips parted to reveal a mouth of rotted teeth. Elias could almost smell his breath from here. 
I might have even loved you. She stopped. She was crouching, not more than a hand breadth away from him. Her face was blank. It was almost like she was sleepwalking. That's it, the slaver whispered. I, I loved you. I loved you, Rowan. I did. His eyes were shining. Hers were flat. He offered her his bound wrists, and she lowered the blade to them. That's it, he said again as the knife touched the cord. Did you love me? Did you love me, Ro? Did you? The knife slid into his belly, and the words stopped. His eyes turned to glass. She withdrew it. Blood and bile seeped from the hole the knife had made. She pushed it in again, then again, and again. It was almost mechanical at first, in and out, in and out. But a slow flush crept up her cheeks as he died, as she killed him, as the dirk scissored into his wet flesh, in and out. Elias was rapt. Fury blossomed on her face, her mouth twisted with rage. The muscles stood stark on her arms as she thrust into him. A banshee scream tore from her throat and set the hairs on the back of his neck on end. Something hot and primal in his belly stirred. He snapped himself out of it. Mount up, he told the soldiers. A few of them looked just as dazed as he was at the display. Every man rides with a miss. Except you, he singled one of them out. You're riding with Jace. I won't leave his mum without a body to burn. The soldier looked a little crestfallen, but he nodded and rushed to do as he was bidden. What about him? The other brigand. He was still on the ground, not moving. Perhaps he thought if he was extra still, they'd forget and leave him behind. Perhaps he was only frozen with fear. Elias nudged him with a boot. Are there more of you? The man looked up at him. Speech had abandoned him around the time she butchered his friend. He offered a tiny, timid shake of his head. White Rose nodded, even as he killed him. The woman called Rowan was still hunched over the first outlaw's perforated corpse. She'd stopped wailing, but she kept on plunging the knife with double fists into his unmoving body. The lordling's cape had slipped off her shoulders. The White Rose lay disheveled on the ground. He touched her arm. That's enough now. She might not have heard him. She raised the dirk to bring it down again. He plucked it from her grasp. She spun on him, teeth bared. He didn't flinch. That's enough, he whispered. She was covered in blood. It flecked her face and ran down her breasts and drenched her arms up to the elbows. She glared up at him without a hint of shame. He didn't flinch. Slowly, that feral rage on her face seeped away. It left only empty anguish behind. Her features were soft, and they were broken. Tears welled up and spilled down her cheeks, two perfect runnels through the red. He didn't flinch. Let's go home, he said. Home? she asked. She sounded hopeful. He looked out at the sun rising in the east and imagined he could see the city high up on the cliff at the western lip of the world. His city. Oh, how he loved her. Home, he said again. Thank you guys so much for listening. It really does mean the world to me. If you haven't already, please make sure to hit subscribe and the notification bell so that you never miss an episode. So honestly, this might be one of my favorite scenes in the entire book. I remember a couple of drafts ago thinking, man, I need to really write an epic intro chapter for the Elias character. And so here it is. It actually ended up being, besides the prologue, the first scene that I sent to any of my friends to get feedback when I was originally writing that draft. Let 
me know what you think of it down below and let me know your answers in the comments. I'll catch you guys next week.